Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Judges chapter four. This is a pretty exciting story. All of Judges, I, I find extremely exciting. It's about military conquests, which I really like. It's about victories. Uh, and, and this one is no different. But I, I, the big difference in today's story is that it revolves around a woman, which, um, you know, is not that big a deal today. But in a patriarchal society such as we had in the Old Testament and even much of the New Testament, this is kind of a, a big deal. Uh, but before we start talking about the prophet Deborah and we start talking about JL, who was seriously a boss, we're going to talk about her too, uh, but uh, I want to tell you a story about uh, a dog, a dog. How many people are dog people? How many people are cat people? Okay, cat people get out. Cat people get out. I'm just kidding. But in San Diego in October of 2017, there was a big wildfire. I have a picture uh, representing that here. And the wildfire was shift, the winds, uh, you know, I've visited San Diego one time. I know a lot of you have probably spent more time than that. Now, it's on the ocean, but it is literally one of the driest places I have ever been. It's right there on the coast, but it is so dry. I was getting nosebleeds. I, I mean, it was weird. I'm like, don't, isn't this on the ocean? Why is it so dry here? And it's not hard to imagine having wildfires there. And so they had this really big wildfire and the, it was shifting and moving around. And it was approaching this guy named Roland Hendel's small ranch. Now he thought he was going to be okay because the fire was far off. But again, the winds shifted and the fire started moving towards his ranch. And by the time he realized that he was in real danger, he didn't have much time. And he was he had a small ranch with some goats on it and a couple of dogs that would hurt, you know, kind of watch over the goats and and protect them from coyotes. And this is one of his dogs, Odin. Okay, fitting name for a big great Pyrenees dog, right? And Odin. And Odin was the protector of the sheep and the goats. And uh, it was at nighttime when Roland was, you know, figuring out that he needs to leave. So he packed up his daughter, a few belongings, and he was going to, he knew he didn't have time to get the goats into a trailer and get them off, right? So he called his dog Odin, and Odin would not come. He would not leave the goats. And so, uh, Roland did the only thing he could. He opened the pen, he opened the gate, he packed up his things, he took the other dog, and he, he left. And he just hoped that they could get out and escape the fire. Now, as he gets a little bit down the road, he, it starts hitting him what he's just done. He's left these goats, he's left his beloved dog, and he just prays. And he says, Lord, if there's any way that you can spare them, you know, I just pray for a miracle. A couple days later, he returns, and he finds his house looking like this. The entire ranch burned to nothing, uh, just totally leveled, and uh, everything is gone. But in the pen was Odin and the eight goats. Not one of them was lost. Now, Odin normally is very thick-furred. All his fur is singed. He's orange. He's He won't stand up. He's definitely 
more weary for the wear. His pads, the foot pads on his feet were burned. He could, he was, his eyes were just watery and irritated from the smoke. And all of his fur singed really close down to his skin. But he saved every single goat. There was actually a bunch of deer in the pen too who enjoyed Odin's protection. But Odin saved the goats and himself and he made a complete full recovery. And against all odds, I mean, this guy literally showed up, showed up to his house, saw his house, definitely was not expecting to find his dog and these goats. But what Odin had done is led the sheep up quite a ways to a rocky kind of outcropping where they were safe from the fire and then brought them back home safely. And against all odds, he saved them. He saved them. And this story, um, if you have the digital bulletin, um, I think I've linked this story uh, in the digital bulletin so you can hear the whole thing. It's an audio podcast and it's something you can read. It's just a, a great, wonderful story about how a lot of times God works miracles through unpredictable ways, right? We always, you know, we think we know how God's going to move. We, th- we think we've got him figured out. And, and then God brings miracles through back doors and through people that we least expect him to bring miracles through. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe this is his complete intention is to not, you know, bring victory to Israel through Saul, but through David and, and to, to just do those things that only he can receive glory through. And this is one of those stories as we get into Judges chapter 4, we're going to see that God demonstrates his power through the weakest of vessels, through the most unpredictable ways. So let's read together chapter 4, verse 4, and we're going to go down through verse 7, and then we're going to skip around a little bit. Verse 4, so Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth which is an unfortunate name. And she was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sat and summoned Barak, the son of Abinam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go and gather at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and from the people of Zebulun. Zebulun, excuse me, verse 7, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river of Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. So Deborah is a prophetess and a judge. Now she, only two other people have held this office, Moses and Samuel, only two other people in the entire Bible have held both of these offices, Moses and Samuel, both pretty big deals. And we have Deborah, who was filled with the Spirit and was leading God's people. She spoke the word of God to her people as prophet and as judge. She helped resolve the quarrels. And the point of all this is God uses our gifts to serve him. See, some of us may think we have gifts, we're good at things, but the things that we're good at can't be made to serve the Lord. I'd say that's, that doesn't make any sense. God has created you for a purpose. The Bible says he knew you from your mother's womb. He created you. He created you with certain desires and affections. Now, some of those affections and some of those affinities are sinful, but some are not. Some are even morally neutral, like they could be used for good or for bad, Right? But we think that if God's going to use us, it's got to be something we don't know how to do or we don't like. I'd say it's exactly the opposite. Look at these guys that are here today for the sports camp. They like sports, right? They like sports. And John likes English because he's an American. 
right? And they're using these two things, and they're bringing kids to Christ through this camp. Now, how many of you like sports? Most of you like sports, right? Especially the guys, you like sports. The girls like sports, too. And this is something that we enjoy doing. We can bring people to Christ. Actually, I find that the easiest way to share the gospel is finding, finding neutral ground, that w- things we can do together that necessarily might not be spiritual, but they, they help you know, build a bond where we can actually talk about things, and, and I can use the gifts God's given me to bless them. God uses our gifts. He has definitely gifted Deborah as a leader who calls out to the general of her army and says, let's go. Let's go. Let's do what the Lord has called us to do. Another thing, a little side note that this teaches us is, and this affirms what the Assemblies of God believes, right, as far as women in ministry, that there is no role off limits for women in ministry. Now, there are differing opinions about this through different congregations throughout the United States and Germany and Europe, and actually Christians have been arguing about this for a long time, the role of women in ministry. Can women be pastors? Can women be presbyters or bishops or whatever your certain tribe calls them? Can, Can this happen? And I want you to know that here in this church and in our movement, we believe yes, that every single role of ministry is open to women. And here we see Deborah, who's operating on a level that's it's just next level stuff. Prophetess and judge. The Spirit of God fills her. And Joel promises that the Spirit of God will inhabit all flesh. He doesn't say the Spirit of God will only inhabit redheaded, overweight men. Okay? That's me, by the way. Uh, he also... Who said that? Oh, yeah. My fellow redhead overweight guy. Yeah, right. We're together on this, man. Yeah, awesome. Right? He doesn't say just men. He doesn't say just women. He doesn't say just children. Actually, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh into future generations, indicating to us that the spirit of God fills the believer from the the moment when it's first poured out in Acts chapter 2 till today. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. We believe that. And women are not exempt from that. If, the women, if women can be filled with the Holy Ghost, if they can be led of the Spirit, if they can be submitted to Him, then what is to prevent them from serving in ministry? All right, and so here we see Deborah. This is a totally different time. To preach that message right now, totally politically correct, and everybody's happy to hear it, most people, right? Maybe not John Piper, maybe not a few people who think that's not okay, but for the most part, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, women can serve in ministry, no problem. But during this time, during the time of Jesus, this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal for a woman to sit in authority over so many men, to sit over all of Israel. But through Deborah, God had provided all Barak needed to defeat Sisera. Everything Needed. Now, Deborah wasn't going to do it. Barak wasn't going to do it. God is going to do it. What he was calling them to do was be faithful. Faithful in impossible odds. Skip down with me to verse 14. And Deborah said to Barak, Up! I underline that twice. Up. Get up. How many of you need somebody in your life to tell you just to get up sometimes? You know? You're just down, you're feeling depressed, you don't feel like doing anything, you definitely don't feel like doing anything spiritual. You just need somebody in your life to say, get up, get up. Oswald Chambers rightly said, moods don't go by praying, they go by kicking. I agree with that. They just go by kicking. 
For this day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand, does not the Lord go out before you? Underline that too. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army. How many is all? 900 chariots of iron and all the men that were with him. That's how many these 10,000 took out. Let me tell you, the odds were stacked against them. Verse 15 says, The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to this other town. You have it there in your Bible. And the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. I love the men of God and the women of God who can just read through the scripture and get all these pronunciations right. Man, that's awesome. That's not me, though. But God gives us courage to face impossible odds. He really does. Israel outnumbered and outgunned again. Remember, they left Egypt with nothing. With nothing. They weren't trained. All they knew how to do was make bricks. That's all they knew how to do. And here we are just a generation or two beyond that. And they are just wailing on people. And it's not, God, it's not them. It's not their skills. It's not their ability. See, if I was part of this company, if I was part of Barak's army and I was 10,000, you know, we were 10,000 going against this huge, massive army, I think I would feel like turning around. I think I would feel like quitting. I'm like, hey, man, uh, this is awesome. It looks like a lot of fun, but I'm going to pass, all right? I'm going to let you guys go out and handle this. But it, we often feel like this in our lives even today. You know, when somebody like Stacy or I or Jordan and Shay ask you to serve in ministry, you're like, I don't know. You know, I don't know if, you know, if I'm ready to work with kids or I don't know if I'm ready to do this or I'm not ready to do that. Sometimes you just need to get up. Sometimes you just need to say yes to some things. And you just need to step up and say, well, you know, I don't really know much about this, but God's opening this door. He's made this opportunity. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to trust in him to equip me. And I want to tell you that when we, at least in this church, when we ask you to help us, we're also going to teach you what to do. All right, we're going to help you. We're not going to just say, hey, would you like to work in preschool? And the next week you're going to show up, we're going to give you a blank piece of paper and a pen and say, get after it. All right, we're going to train you. We're going to put things in your hands. We're going to put the tools you need in your hands. And we want to set you up to be a success, right? We want to set you up for victory in that. But being afraid of doing something, being intimidated by it, is no excuse for disobedience. Let me say that one more time. Being afraid is no excuse for disobedience. Has God said, go take it? Then go take it. Being afraid is not a reason to say, no, I'm not going. In missions, this, I see this a lot. I see people with hearts burdened to go overseas and serve a country that's not their own, to reach a people that aren't their people. But the idea of raising those funds to do that, from going church to church and living by faith and trusting people to give every single month generously so that you can do what you're called to do is too intimidating for a lot of them. And they say, no, I'm just not willing to do that. Maybe when I retire, maybe when I can do it myself. But I want to tell you, that, I, that process that Stacy and I went through was one of the most rewarding and encouraging times of my entire life. Because you're out sharing what God's put on your heart. And to see people respond and confirm that, you know, 
and, and partner, not only partner with you financially, but partner in prayer and to see people come up to you after service. I wish something existed like that when I was serving in the military. I wish something was like that when I was stationed in Stuttgart. I wish there was something like that when I was there. And to have these people partner with you every single month so that you can do what God's laid on your heart, it's, it's been awesome. But we could have said, nah, it's too much work. It'll never happen. Who are we? Why would anybody support us? We could have had a million reasons. But sometimes we just have to get up and do it. Do what God is calling us to do. Don't let fear rule you. Don't let fear control your yeses and your noes. Let the Holy Spirit do it. God doesn't require fearlessness from us, only trusting obedience. What do you really have to fear? Hello? What do you have to be afraid of? Is God on your side or not? Right? If God's on your side, be afraid. Be very afraid, seriously. Because you're, if, you're, if God's not on your side, you're actually working against him. You might not feel like that. Maybe today you're here. You're like, well, I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really down with God. But, you know, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. No, you're not. And neither am I. And neither was I. All right? We all need Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one enters into eternal life but through him. He's not asking us to be unafraid. He's asking us to trust him in spite of our fear. Trusting obedience. Take the step knowing that God is in your side. And if he is with you, then what do you have to fear? Nothing. Nothing. That should be encouraging, church. When you're facing PCSs, new assignments, maybe you're retiring or getting out altogether or you're you're a civilian and you're looking at a career change and maybe a, a, a job opportunity and you're praying about it. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And he's not surprised by any of it. Sometimes we think God must be surprised about what's happening. He's not surprised and he is with us. Obedient faith in the face of fear, even though you're afraid, it's still obedience, Right? It's still obedience. And maybe you wish you weren't afraid. Maybe you would like to get through things without being afraid. But fear is part of life. It's actually built into us by God to preserve our life, this idea of fear, right? Being afraid of things. Like, you know, if you're approached by a man with a gun and you don't have a gun, uh, but I'm a Texan, I always have a gun. But, you know, uh, if you don't have a gun, then you, you're afraid. You're, and even if you do, you're, you're probably afraid. And that's built into us, but we are not to be controlled by that fear, right? Especially when God says, go and take it. Fear says, I cannot, so I will not. Courage says, I cannot, but God can, so I will. That's the difference. Fear says, I cannot, so I will not, but courage in Christ, courage in our faith in him says, I cannot, but God can, so I will. I believe that's what Barak did. Actually, Barak, we've kind of skipped over this part, but he said, I'm not going unless you go. He says that to Deborah. And Deborah, being the leader she is, she goes. And she leads Barak in the victory. Biblical faith is resting or trusting in Christ alone for salvation. It's not, it's not blind faith. It's obedient faith. He has shown himself to be God. David wrote in the Psalms. I think I have it on the screen. I, I know I skipped something, Kelly. Uh, I skipped that Romans one, but I have the Psalms one here. 
Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, I will be confident. Even if the world seems like it's working against you, you can have faith in Christ and know that he is working for your good. Amen? And the reason we moved worship to the end of service today, because it's our response. Worship is our response to what God has done. And here, in, and we're going to skip to chapter 5, and we're going to go to in verse 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse 9. So, but, and we see that Deborah and Barak sing together. Sonny and Cher together again, they're singing praises to God. Verse 1, then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, I think. On that day, the leaders took the lead in Israel. The people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Verse 3, hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, the Lord, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. So here, Barak and Deborah are leading God's people in praise. Praise because not only had Sisera's army been defeated, but Sisera had been defeated. How was Sisera defeated? Well, this is pretty funny, actually. Well, not funny. It's pretty gross, but... Sisera is leading the army. After his army is pretty much wiped out, he retreats. He, he retreats. He doesn't lead his people in a retreat. He runs away. He gets out of his chariot, and he runs away, and he runs into a small little like encampment, people of tents, nomadic people. And he comes to a tent with a woman standing out front. Her name is J.L. Remember this name, right? I mean, I don't know why more girls aren't named JL, but she's, she's a stud. So she's out front of this tent, and she's like, hey, come on in here. It's safe. And he's like, okay, you know, this woman standing in front of this tent, and she says it's safe. So he goes in, and he lays down, and she covers him up with a rug. And he's like, I'm thirsty, and, and, and could you bring me something to drink? And so she gives him some fresh milk, I think, and, and she brings it to him, and he drinks of it. And then she covers him back up. And this woman who dwells in tents then takes a hammer in one hand, and she takes a tent peg in the other hand. And she puts it to his temple, and she drives this tent peg straight through his head until it's nailed to the ground. And she kills Sisera, the general who came against Israel. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> the reaction between all of you is very different. I, I wish I could take this picture right here. But, I mean, she just handled her business, right? And, uh, and then... And then they, you know, they come, Barak comes and he sees, you know, and she's like, hey, hey, come over here, jail. She's saying to Barak, come over here. The person you're looking for, he's right here. And Barak just goes in, oh my goodness, <laughs> what happened here, right? Looks like a crime scene in there. And, and I mean, JL, just, she's, she's, she's the kind of the heroine of this story. She, she saves uh, she, you know, God promises that Barak, because he was overcome with fear and wasn't willing to go out on his own, God proclaimed to Barak that it wasn't going to be him who got the victory, but a woman. Which I'm, I'm sure at that time was kind of insulting to Barak. Now to us, we don't think anything of it, I'm sure, right? But Barak was probably like, right, right? And sure enough, here we are, and it's not Deborah, it's J.L., 
And so they start singing these songs. And in verse 9, it says this, My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way, the sound of musicians at the watering places. They will repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Now they're singing together. Barak, the commander of the army, and Deborah. Men, I want to tell you, that it's not you, stand, you standing next to your wife with your hands in your pockets barely whispering anything is not praise and worship. That's not praise and worship. Worship is singing, making melody to the Lord. It's extolling God. It's giving him glory. It's, it's worship. It's not, uh, look, if you've got, if God has done anything in your life, these people were delivered from an army of 10,000 people. They've got something to sing about. How many say Amen. Right, But God has delivered you from your sin, your unrighteousness, your dirtbaggery. He has, de- he has delivered you from that. And you've got something to sing about too. And it's not just the women who have something to sing about. It's you, men. God, give us a church full of men who are not afraid to worship the Lord. You guys, so many of you guys, you'll carry a gun to places that, you know, only God knows where you've been. And you'll train your bodies, and you'll stay fit, and you'll do this, and you'll do that. But you're too cool, or it's just too unmanly for you to praise God. That is so ridiculous to me on a million different levels, right? God has saved you. The only reason you have anything good is because of him. He is worthy of your praise. And personally, I think we talked about this in men's ministry last last week. We talked about what it means to be the priest of your home, to lead. And what it means is to lead from the front, right? My wife's not going to outpray me. She's not going to outpraise me, right? I'm going to lead from the front. Now, we're together on most of these things, but I'm not going to let her do the heavy spiritual lifting in my house. And men, just what, what, what's the deal? Are we still in high school? Are we still worried about what the person next to us thinks, right? Are we still worried about what the person in the next cubicle thinks? Why? Who do you have to please? The Lord. Who do you have to fear? Nobody. Come on, own that. Take, take ownership of that. You fear everybody around you. But just praise the Lord. He is worthy of praise. The victories that he has done for Sisera and Deborah, he's done that for us too. And he is the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus And he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. That's why we're ending with song today. Because I'm going to yell at you about singing, and then you're going to have to do it. (laughs) And Stacy's going to go home, and she's going to feel awesome. Did you hear him sing today? You know, I know sometimes in a lot of churches, the, the, the band is up here, and there's smoke machines, and there's lights, and there's laser beams, and all that. And it's a big show, right? And it feels like a show, so you act like it's a show. You know, we watch but it's not a show. And we, we purposely minimize that to make you feel like it's not a show. It's participatory. You're encouraged. They're here to lead us in worship. They play the music, right? They, they play the, 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 the harmony for us to sing along with, but we're all blessed when we're all singing. They're blessed. You're blessed. It's awesome. And unfortunately, I would say here at SMCC, it happens just a little bit too infrequently. You know, it just depends if everybody's feeling it that Sunday. I'm telling you, get up. 
get up. Don't come here half asleep, tired, unless you flew in from the United States that very morning. You have no excuse. Come ready to worship God. Come with expectant hearts. Come ready to see God move. Come ready to be in his presence. You know what? He'll be here. You'll feel it. You'll, you know, we can, we can make following Christ so cerebral that we eliminate the emotional. It's not all emotional. It's not all cerebral. It's both. It's the, bo- the body, the mind, and the spirit working together to give praise and honor to God. Somebody say amen. All right? So when we sing, what are we doing? Well, first we're singing praises to the Lord. We're worshiping him. That's, that's obvious. But when we sing, we're also singing to ourselves. Listen to you know, what they sang. They're basically reminding themselves through song of all the great things God has done. You know, And so that's what they're doing. And Stacy is very careful about the song she picks. And I'm very appreciative of that. Right? It's not just the newest thing from Jesus culture or elevation worship, and that's great, but it's not just that. She really thinks about what the songs are saying because it's really, really important that our music glorifies God, especially in a church setting, that we're bringing glory and honor to Christ. And when we sing, our third audience is each other because even today, we've got a pretty full house. There are people today that are hurting. There are people today who are struggling in their faith, and they may lack the courage to stand up and, and go and take the, the land or the, the situation God has given them. But when we sing together, when we praise together, when we receive communion together, we're saying we're with you. We're one family. We're together. We'll help you. So others are the audience as well. And sometimes the songs just remind us of the goodness and glory of God, that our God is a lion the Lion of Judah. Amen? Right? We, we were reminded of that. See, in, in Christ, the story points to Christ's ultimate victory over sin, death, and the grave. And if we will just step out in obedience, we can be assured of that victory. The responsibility to sing praise to God for the victory, well, it's on us all. It's on the pastor. It's on the leaders. It's on you. It's on all of us. We're all one church. We're here to worship the Lord. The psalmist said this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're sitting here today, you have breath, right? You have breath. And so you are commanded to praise the Lord. So as we wrap up, we want to not only focus on the battle and the driving of stakes through people's heads and victories, but we want to focus on peace and rest. Because after this great victory, they, they had peace and rest for 40 years. And Jesus has promised us lasting rest and lasting peace. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says in John I have said these things to me that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus comes not to put burdens on us, but to give us peace, to give us rest. All he asks is that we trust in him. Even if our fears seem to overwhelm us, put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. And if you have experienced this great peace that comes from Christ, don't keep it to yourself. Sing praise to God. 
Sing your praises to him. And don't relegate your praise and your worship to 15 minutes every Sunday. Right? We are called to give praise and honor to God in every aspect of our life, in every area. For what he has done in your life, he wants to do in someone else's life. And when we give praise to God, we point people to the cross, that they might see his glory and join in our great song of worship to our King. Amen? Church, I want to tell you that every day there are victories being won in the people who attend this church and in our community. Um, And God is doing great things. They're not always public. Uh, They're not always out there. But as your pastor, I can just take my word for it. I'm contacted for prayer often and have often seen God answer prayer and move in people's lives. And today, if you're on the fence about something, I just really sense in my spirit there are people that are on the fence about major decisions in their life, things that they're facing. They know God's, they really have sensed God's direction, but they have lacked the courage to take that step and put their full trust in God. I want to encourage you, get up, put your trust in him. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. I hope, I hope that blesses you today. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.